Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, January 8th, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We will begin our reading on page 20, the fifth paragraph, Moderate Drinkers. We will read three paragraphs to begin with and comment on the last. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Mary H., The Twelve Traditions, Phoebe B. And our text readers are Terry H., Julie R., Chrissy M. And our newcomer greeter today is Deb W. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 7th day of January 2016, is 8365. 8365. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning. This is Mary H. in Connecticut. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Mary H. And I will now ask Phoebe B. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning, this is CDB, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Vermont. The 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ, employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion in outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Phoebe B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the direction in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We will begin our reading on the bottom of page 20, Moderate Drinkers. We will read three paragraphs. And the first two paragraphs are for context and comments, please, on the third paragraph. And I will ask Terry H. to begin reading. Yes, good morning, Monica. Uh, this is Terry H., recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain hard type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficient strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, 
This man can also stop and moderate. Although he may find it difficult and troublesome, it may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous high drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. So here we are, and there is a solution. So these first three paragraphs are, you know, they're, they're here to help me identify what I am. Um, I'm definitely the real alcoholic. Um, there might have been a time where I might have been, you know, the other two categories, um, but at some, some time in my, my career, I, I, I crossed that line, and I don't know when. I can't tell you when, but I just know, like, um, from my history, I know I'm the real deal. Um, because when I start, I can't stop. And um, so I, I'm definitely, I can't stay stopped on my own, um, like the other two categories. And, um, you know, I have this I have this button. I call it the more button. Once I, you know, pick up the food, it sets me off for more. And, um, you know, and even when I have the food down, you know, I, I have this mental obsession that's always going to take me back to the, to the food. I've had the experience over and over and over again. And, I'm so grateful that there is a solution and that, um, you know, here we are, we're reading, we're reading about, you know, what I am. And um, uh, the good news is there is a solution. And, you know, what I've learned here is, you know, the difference between uh, the moderate and the hard eater, um, they can put down the food with no solution and their life gets, you know, their life gets better. Um, me, the real deal, the uh, the real alcoholic, you know, I can put down the food with no solution and my life gets worse. So I'm so grateful. Thank you, God, that there is a solution. And um, as a result, you know, I have had a transformation, you know, um, that I once thought was not not possible. And, um, you know, the next paragraph will talk about what happens after I put the first bite in, you know, my, my behaviors. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Terry H. And who would like to comment on this third paragraph here on page 21? This is Bella, can I say? Gotcha, Bella. Okay. Uh, I didn't hear anybody. Kathy <laughs> Kay. Kathy Kay, okay. Mary Kay. Mary. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Vasa O, Mary Kay. <laughs> Melissa C. Melissa. Leah M. Leah. Lynn S. Lynn. Amy M. I didn't say that again, please. Amy M. Amy. Amy M. Okay. Here's what I got. Bella G. Kathy K. Vasa O. Mary K. Melissa C. Leah M. Lynn S. And Amy M. So, Bella, you're up, and then it'll be Kathy K. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control. Oh, boy, yes, I remember it. I was a teenage girl, and I was pretty smart. I was a very responsible person. And here I lose my control in regarding the food. I remember my mother used to work very hard, and before going to work, she prepared supper for the entire family. And when I came from school, nobody was home, and I just found myself eating and eating and eating 
And every time, I promise, only one spoon. Bella, I promise, only that spoon and that's it. And then I finished the whole supper that it was for the whole family. And when my mother came and she asked Bella what happened, I just didn't know what to answer. And I was blamed and judged. And it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible feeling. Thank you, God, I am not there anymore. And thank you, God, now I know that, yes, when I put and when I eat my alcoholic food, I lose control. And it's nothing to do with me. This is the way God created me, that, yes, I have a disease. And thank you, God, I know today that there is a solution. Yes, I can live with this disease in freedom and happiness. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Kathy Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Vasa. Thank you, Monica, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Boston. You know, the word that flashes at me, it's not even in this paragraph, but it makes me think of it, is the word denial. And for how many years I categorized myself as a moderate eater, um, because I never gained 100 pounds. Um, my body did not manifest my disease like it does for so many other people. Um, and uh, I, I use that as an excuse. See, I'm not that bad. I don't have that much weight to lose. But the denial started to wear away when I started to observe my actions, and the actions... Uh, for example, included standing in the kitchen, opening every cabinet and door and refrigerator um, to get that next compulsive bite and not being able to stop and fighting with myself, wanting to stop but not being able to stop. It also manifested in on my way to a therapy appointment, stopping to purchase some sweets just to get me there and back. Um, and I could go on and on about examples that today I know were the symptoms. Um, and today I know if I picked up any of those foods and abandoned my food plan, I would go right back there and perhaps be even worse. So today I know I am a real alcoholic. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Vasa O, you're up, and then it'll be Mary Kay. Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica, for your service. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive Veda calling from Florida. And I'm just so grateful that I have found the solution and uh, big book. I had no clue when I came to recovery, the 12 steps. I had no clue. I, did, I had no clue about the disease. I didn't know anything about allergy. I knew about the mental obsession because I tried to stop many times. I couldn't, you know. So I, I was probably born with the disease, you know, with the allergy. I did not know. And, uh, you know, yes, I did try to control it, to be, try, you know, to diet, you know, uh, from a moderate to hard drinker. And uh, I crossed over to a real alcoholic 
uh, food addict. You know, I did that when I, you know, not too long before I found Overeaters Anonymous, you know, because with everything I had tried, it just did not work. So I remember saying, why keep on trying when it's not working? So I gave in into, into the food addiction at that time because I just felt so hopeless and powerless, you know. And uh, and then coming to the 12 steps, I really had no problem admitting I was, uh, I, I had no problem admitting I was powerless over my food addiction and my life became unmanageable. I, I, I had a hard time with the second part. Because I tried to manage my other life with everything I could, but the more I tried to manage it, the more I couldn't manage it, even with that. But I understand it with the food, too. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just so grateful that I found the solution. And uh, what a gift. This program is such a gift, and there's just so many people suffering out there in the world. I just, it, it, you know, it, like it, my heart just aches when I see people coming in, you know, in our programs, you know, so much overweight. Yes, for me, I wasn't really big overweight yet. By the grace of God, I was like maybe 30 pounds overweight by then. But it's by the grace of God I found the program, and and I put those alcoholic foods down, and the obsession is just gone. It's lifted as long as I don't pick it up. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Mary Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Good morning, Monica. This is Mary Kay, recovered uh, compulsive overeater just for today. Thank you, God. Uh, Thank you for your service, Monica. I'm calling from western New York, and I can identify with many things here. I guess the one that I want to focus on in the paragraph is, is the the gift of being aware that I am this third description. Um, This is the me in this paragraph, and I didn't know it for a very, very long time. Here's what I have known. I know that my first career aspiration before I even started school was to own an ice cream store, and but I wasn't going to sell any. I was going to eat it all for myself. And I was overweight by the time I was in kindergarten, and I've never, ever in my life been a healthy body weight. Um, And thank goodness for this program, because today I just live with the weight I am today and do the things that the program is, and God is helping me to do, um, because I've given it over, I've I've claimed the powerlessness, and I'm seeking the power from the, the God of my understanding. And so grateful for that. And and clearly the disease was progressive for me. I was 180 pounds by the time I graduated from high school. And back then I was considered the fat girl. And I had all the teasing and things like that that so many here have have had part of their lives. Um, By the time I was out of college, 220, after, you know, less than a, a year of marriage to somebody I didn't even really like, yet alone love, because I was orchestrating a relationship, because I was so afraid of being alone, then I was 280, and then by the time my first child was born, I was 320, and by the time he graduated from college, I was 377, and I have lived over half of my life over 300 pounds, and it wasn't until, it wasn't until the physical pain 
that the chronic pain, the physical pain, got more and more acute that I hit another desperation point. And that was just this year. And of all the programs and diets and things like that that I've been to, I mean, I, I certainly... In Weight Watchers, I lost over 100 pounds in Weight Watchers, and just once, that's the only time I could I was successful then, but I could remember weighing in and going through the drive-thru on the way home because I had a whole week to beat the scales. I was gaming it all the time, and thank you, God, for this program that gives me some sanity, gives me some clarity, to simplify my food plan. I've been given relief and the, the gifts of, of neutrality many times, not always, because I, I, it's life, and, and, it, and I'm imperfect, and that's why I have to 10-step it um, every day and, and go through the process. And I'm just so thankful for this program. Thank you for, for the daily reprieve and the peace that I feel in the program, and I just want to encourage anybody out there that can identify in just to be assured that this program works. This is a solution. Um, thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Mary Kay. Melissa C., you're up, and then Leah M. Hi. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, I'm so happy that I know that I, for 100%, I know I am not the moderate eater. And so all the angst and all the energy that I have put forth in trying to control this thing, I don't have to do that anymore. And, you know, I'm looking at the calendar today and, um, you know, in my career as hoping and trying to be that moderate eater, this would be the weekend that my diet would fall apart because, you know, last, the past Monday would be when it would start, the Monday after New Year's, and by the weekend, you know, I could not hold it together any longer. And I'm just so grateful that's not my life anymore. You know, I don't diet. Um, I'm abstinent. And, um, you know, and so when did I cross over from moderate to, you know, this the real deal? I'm not sure 100% because I've always loved food. I've always um, sneaked food for as long as I can really remember as a little girl even choosing my friends by um, what was in their pantry and how much access we had to the stuff in their pantry. Um, but I know that when in my young teen years, um, something definitely happened. I really remember very clearly um, when I was about 14, I went on a very strict diet. I wasn't really overweight, but um, I was suddenly really thin, and something happened. My mother bought some box of uh, a big box of these frozen. Uh, they were diet, actually, ice cream bars, and I had one. And within an hour, the entire box was gone. And I, you know, I remember feeling so upset with myself. How how come I can't stop? And you know, and that. Um, that's my eating career. If I have one cookie, consider the box gone. If I have one chip, the bag is gone. And my binging never, ever stopped until it was interrupted by another person or I was so sick, um, and even then sometimes it just stopped, or I would fall asleep. And so that 
me, it's very clear. That's the difference between someone that likes to eat and can moderate their eating, that can go on a diet and stay on the diet, um, and, the re- and me, I'm the real deal. And so, you know, I'm so grateful that here it's really making it very clear what it is I have. I am identifying it. I listened to everybody share this morning, and, you know, whether they've gained 100 pounds like I've gained, you know, or lost 100 pounds, um, I can identify in because the way that the food has wrecked habits on our lives is, is the same. And um, thank you. That all counts. Thank you, Melissa C. Leah M., you're up, and then it'll be Lynn S. Thank you very much, Monica. He begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And I identify with that. (laughs) You know, when I eat certain foods, I can't control the amount of food I eat. There's some, uh, you know, ding, 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 the red light, the lights go off and the, you know, bells ring. When I put certain foods into my body, I develop an insatiable appetite for more of those substances. Once I start, like this text tells me, once he starts to drink, once I start, I have little or no control. And you know what? For a long, long time, (laughs) starting when I was about five years old, I didn't care how much I ate. I wanted to overeat. You know, it was fun for me. I wanted to binge. And boy, did I binge. You know, and I binged for years. But the day came when I did not want to be obese, when I didn't want to be depressed and miserable, when I did not want to be suffering in this disease, when I didn't want to have all the problems I was having, when I didn't want to hurt my family, when I didn't want to hear threats of divorce, when I didn't want to be sick and tired and sick and tired. And you know what I said to myself? I said to myself, self, I'm not going to binge my brains out today. I'm just going to have a little bit. And you know what? I can't eat a little bit. Because when I eat a little bit, I binge again. You know, the text tells me, in doctor's opinion, entire abstinence. You know, entire abstinence. And I found out and I learned the hard way that there are certain substances that I have to be entirely abstinent from. Entirely. It may sound like a bad problem, but I've got a problem that's even worse than that. I have a problem with my mind as well because when I make a decision, I'm not going to eat that anymore. I don't want to binge anymore, so I'm not going to touch that substance anymore or these substances anymore. It comes a day or a time or a week later or maybe I'll squeak out a month later when all of a sudden having that first compulsive bite seems like the best idea I've had in a long time. And I don't know when I crossed that line. I didn't understand the grave nature of my illness. I didn't understand the depths and the progression to which this addiction would drag me. I didn't realize the seriousness of my condition, the urgency, and the necessity for the, con- for the solution that's contained in these pages. It took the big book to give me that education. Because the chains of compulsive overeating, for me, were too soft to be felt until they were too hard to be broken. That was it. You know, I am one, whether I like it or not. I never had dreams of wanting to be a real compulsive overeater. But the reality, my reality, my truth is that I am a real compulsive overeater. Therefore, I need a real solution. And for me, for me personally, that solution is contained in these pages. And with that, I pass. Thanks. 
Thank you, Leah M. Lynn S., you're up, and then it'll be Amy M. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. When we read this paragraph yesterday, and he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink, I let go of a huge breath, sort of a sigh of relief. I didn't even realize how how much or how agitated I was getting when they started with the paragraph, how many times have people said to us, and they went through all these descriptions of the other eaters. And the reason was, it was just like I was back there again. That's not me. Yes, people said all that stuff to me, but I can't stop. I've never been a moderate anything, moderate eater. Never in my life. But when I read this one line, the sense of relief, the identification, that's me. That's where I am. And it just... It just reminded me of all those years, like the 38 years of anxiety, anguish, pain, misery. I was never any of those type of eaters they described. I was always the kind that once I start, I cannot stop. And it just, I I was so surprised about the the effect that the reading had on me, but it just brought back, it, it was just so much of being in that life before. I really wanted to be the other person, but there was no illusion in my mind ever that I was the other person. And whenever I was dieting, I knew it wouldn't last because I couldn't stand it. And I tried, you know, I had pieces of my body clamped off and I went to different doctors. And all the while they're doing all this, and there was part of me, there was, there was that excited part that we all get that this time's going to be different. But deep in my heart, I knew it wasn't something was missing. Remember, I I was listening to Harlan the other day, and he was talking about uh, people who sort of say, well, I can't get abstinent because I'm powerless. And what he said really struck me. He said, you may be powerless over this, but you're not helpless. And when we're reading the big book, and, you know, we know they're in a chapter, there is a solution, we're not helpless, and we're not hopeless either. And I just, um, I'm so grateful for the program, I'm so grateful that I don't have to live like that. And I never, I know that I'm never going to be a moderate eater or any of those other things, but I know that I don't have to live in the disease anymore. And I'm very grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Amy M., you're up. Thank you. Hi, this is Amy M., compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, and it's just been refreshing going through this. Um, this chapter specifically for for me, for my experience. Um, I'm new to the big book study. I started listening to Vision back in May. And, you know, um, I'd like to say it's life-changing or it's been life-changing, but I feel like there's so much more growth that I'm going to have as we continue this study. <clears throat> and, um, and for today, you know, this paragraph uh, just really struck me. Um, the real alcoholic. You know, when I found the rooms of OA, I had been screaming for help. I had been asking everyone I knew because I could not stop eating. And I would tell people what I was doing with food because I was so beat down by it and I was looking for answers. And no one no one could help me. Everywhere I turned, somebody was telling me, oh, you know, it sounds like you're a moderate eater. You can Stopped, you stopped it. 
you know, you're not eating right at this moment or you didn't really eat that whole box or bag. And nobody would kind of believe me, you know. It's like a, a, a child asking for help and tattling or telling about a circumstance or situation and all the adults, excuse me, all the adults saying, oh, no, that would never happen, you know. Um, so it's just reassuring as it has been for me, um, you know, finding programs to, again, see it in text and see me. This is me. You know, I am the real compulsive overeater. Once I take that first bite, I don't stop. Whether it's the cookie, whether it's the bag of something, whether it's the frozen something, I want more. And when I'm done with that box or bag or container, I'm going to go get another one. Maybe of the same, maybe it's something different. But, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Um, and just the losing all control of liquor consumption once starting to drink, you know, I, I, that was me. That was me. I, I, you know, for today, I'm grateful. I'm uh, abstinent. I'm clear. The binge food is down. I can live my life and enjoy my life, you know, uh, without the food fog. And uh, it, it's just such a blessing. So, you know, I really... Um, I really hope that I, I can also be that living example for others. Uh, I, too, didn't have the huge uh, weight loss or needed the huge weight loss when I came into the room. As it was said earlier, you know, my body didn't manifest uh, the food that I was consuming, but, uh, but my soul did, you know, and, and I was really sick and I needed help. Um, so I'm just so grateful for these rooms and for this program, and, uh, you know, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy M. Charles H. from New York. All right, Charles, got you. Who else would like to share? Uh, Gail E. Gail E. Key. Mm-hmm. Key. Lonnie P. No, no. Mary Ann. Laura, 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 and then Mary Ann, I think. Oh, Maryland. Marion H. <clears throat> oh, Marion. <laughs> Michelle Wait a minute, you guys. Michelle. All right, this is what I got. Hold on a second. <laughs> I got Charles H., Gail T., Laura, didn't get your last initial, Marion, last initial, Lonnie P., Michelle, your last initial. Someone else? All right, let's go with that. Charles H., you're up, and then it'll be Gail. Why, thank you, Monica P., for your service, Charles H., a recovered visionary. Um, You know, as I say, um, you know, the book tells us, you know, go ahead and diagnose your own self because, you know, know, we can't, if I'm in your mind, I'm out of my head, right? And um, so I, I take a lot of people through the doc's opinion. People try to wiggle around and say, you know, you know, and as I'm taking them through, right, you know, um, I get uh, discernment. You know, I start hammering home, you know, this is where we, we have to be uh, rid of all our allergic alcoholic foods. And they say, oh, yeah, just sugar and white flour. Right there, my spider senses are tingling, but I'm still willing. And they still fighting me like I'm the enemy. I'm not the enemy, bro, or sis. I, you know, I'm trying to be a soundboard for the big book. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving I'm, I'm giving you the doctor's opinion, which saved millions of people's lives. So, 
Somebody sent me this that I was working with. Uh, it's page 58, scrambled up. Thoroughly have we seen a person fail who has really followed our path. We know what it says, really. But, you know, the thing is, put those allergic foods down. You can't keep it down long by yourself because the book, Dr. Silkworth says, you know, we need a power grade in ourselves in order to re recreate our lives. How can you do that? By getting access to the second step. How do you get access to the second step? you got to put the food down first, and then you have to get a recovered individual to soundboard and guide you through the 12 steps so that you can have a spiritual awakening. Why we don't do that? Why are we telling these people to keep coming back, it's all right, don't worry if you're in the food, it's okay? We're lying to these people, right? We're lying to them. You know, if you don't want to put the food down, let me go, let me go. Stop trying to be like um, God and try to be like Dr. Bob. I'm trying to help about five, ten, twenty thousand folk before I leave this earth. Taking you through, I'm, I will call you. I'm going to call about 1,900 people this year. We're going to go through the doctor if you want, and then we're going to put the food down together. You're going to help me put the food down. You may not put it down, but I'm going to put it down. I don't know if you're the moderate eater, but I love the moderators because, you know, we are a wild bunch here, and, and I, I thank you, Monica T., and all you moderators. Hopefully I'll be able to do that one day, right? But I don't got to tell you I'm the real thing because, you know what, I wouldn't get up 7 a.m after working all week and be here with you beautiful people. I wouldn't go to Virginia Beach to be singing these songs and be jumping up and down. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful. I am so grateful. And I don't got to tell you I'm the real thing. I'm here, and that's, that's proof enough. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Gail T., you're up, and then it'll be Laura. Uh, this is Gail P., as in Paul, and I'm in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> um, I, too, was very relieved when I was reading these three paragraphs, and it reminded me of a time when I was, I know I was less than 10 years old, and all throughout grade school I was about 10 pounds heavier than my peers, and a family relative that I really didn't care much for anyway was sitting with me at the dining room table. And he said to me, Gail, if you don't stop eating, you're going to float away like a big balloon. And I remember how hurt I felt about that. Fortunately, I didn't suffer a lot of pain about being overweight, but that never left me. But I do know all my life I had been trying to lose just a little extra weight one time my dad said to me, you're only about 15 pounds overweight. Why don't you take it off? And the frustration that I felt because, like so many people have said tonight, or to, this morning, pardon me, that, that you, can, you can stop, but you can't stay stopped. And it's been such a relief for me to learn that, no, you can't stay stopped without additional help. And I am so grateful to learn that there is a solution in these pages. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Gail P. And Laura, you're up. Can you tell me your last initial, please? Laura, star one to unmute. 
Okay, let's move on to Marion. Marion, are you available? And I need your last initial too, please. Marion, star one to unmute. Oh, this is Marion. Hi, Marion. What's your last initial, please? H is in Harry. Okay, go ahead, Marion. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Monica. Uh, I identify totally. Uh, I remember before I came to Overeaters Anonymous that I used to start my day with ice cream. And then I would go to the store and replace it. So when my family comes home, my my husband would come home. They shouldn't see that I ate it, and I was nauseous to my stomach. And 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 I used to do it anyway. And that is like so sick, you know. When I think back uh, on it, and I'm so so grateful, you know, for my sponsor, my food sponsor, my uh, my vision sponsor and that I never left these rooms. And I have yo-yoed uh, for many years, but I don't anymore. And I'm just very, very grateful uh, to this program and to God for that I remained in the rooms. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Marion H. Laura, are you here? Maybe I didn't get the right name. Okay, let's move on to Lonnie P. Lonnie? Hi, everyone. This is Lonnie P. Um, in recovery in Florida. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, just want to make sure. Um, you know what? It's like as I read these paragraphs and I listen to everybody, you know, there was a point in my life I may have been, I was a moderate eater. Yeah, I was chubby when I was little, but I didn't have that same obsession and compulsion that I have today, where once I start, I can't stop and I can't stay stopped. You know, my disease has been very progressive in nature, as for all of us. And as I continue along and as my food gets cleaner, my body, I think, has just a higher sensitivity. But there's things that that I have to add to my I guess can't eat list or alcoholic food list um, because once I put a compulsive bite in my mouth and it almost doesn't even matter what it is, then it, I'm off to the races. It's like then I, I can't stop, you know, so it's like I have to weigh and measure, you know, I have to stick to my food plan. You know, there's no such thing as intuitive eating for me. Um, I lose control, you know, and I spiral down so quickly You'd think that I just ate the Titanic or something. You know, it's like, and I'm filled with so much remorse and everything else. And, you know, I'm at that stage. It's like, you know, I'm a real compulsive overeater. Um, And the only way that I can stay stopped is by, you know, living this program. Not just working the steps, but living it. You know, every single day, every moment of every day. You know, so I am grateful that there's a solution <clears throat> and I don't have to go down that proverbial rabbit hole. So um, thanks for everybody's shares, and thanks for letting me share this morning. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lonnie P. And Michelle, you're up. And I didn't catch your last initial. Um, I think, Monica, that that's Rochelle M. Me. <laughs> okay. That's okay. As somebody once said to me, I've been called worse. 
So good morning, everybody. I'm so grateful to be here. And um, the other two things. One, the other day I made an analogy to the story about the ugly duckling. I didn't know when I was growing up that I was a compulsive eater. I didn't know. And uh, it's so wonderful to have a, uh, a fellowship of other people who are just like me. And here we are, beautiful swans floating on the river of, well, not a river, lake of life, and all paddling and working hard to, to look so beautiful and and live graciously and uh, stay in touch with our higher power. So that was one. The other thing is, I hurt my, I'm a lefty. I've always been a lefty. And uh, recently I hurt my left hand. And an amazing thing happened, and that was I had to use my right hand. I had a choice. I could feel sorry for myself, or I could learn to use my right hand. And an amazing thing happened again, and that was that uh, my husband used to say, you call that handwriting? You know, it's like I had a doctor's handwriting, even though I'm not a doctor. And uh, I learned, I taught myself, how to write with my right hand, and it's beautiful, beautiful handwriting. I can't get over it. It almost looks calligraphic. And to me, that's an analogy to uh, being recovered. You know, like I didn't know that I had two lives, that I had a choice of either living as a compulsive overeater or having a new life, which is beautiful, beautiful. And I think about what I have today. I wouldn't go back there for anything. And I'm sh- just so delighted to, uh, to be able to work at it on a daily basis and to have a fellowship where if I need help, I can just pick up the phone and call another swan with that I pass. Thank you, Rochelle M. And with that, we're going to move on to the next paragraph. And Julie R., can you read for us, please? Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is the real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, but let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor but in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself and then pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet, early next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to th- throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedatives and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, California. You know, you could put my name everywhere on this paragraph. If you took away how I acted when I was in the food and put myself at work where I am a uh, professional 
I deal with um, people from all over the world, defense, missile stuff, blah, blah, blah. I appear to be sane, but yet you put me in a situation or I put myself in a situation where I will pick up any of my alcoholic foods. I become this ravenous animal that cannot stop. I have um, been taking people on tours and then when they left the tour, I ate the 10 huge muffins that were left over. And I remember shoving the food in my mouth so fast before the general came back in the room. And I had to turn my back because it was still chewing. And then I would turn around and be this professional woman again. The, the food takes me to a place where I have zero control. I am down this rabbit hole faster than anything, and I cannot stop. And I will only stop for three things. If I run out, if I'm interrupted, or if I pass out from it. But yet again, I can pull myself together in certain situations, and I might have been morbidly obese, but I looked like I had my act together. It is so scary to think that if I didn't live in 10, 11, and 12, I would be right there again in one of those sprees. And my last spree lasted eight months, and I gained 70 pounds, and I was eating 10,000 calories at a setting, and it almost killed me. So for today, you know, I can look at this and say, yeah, that's Julie. Julie, all the way, and I will be there. If I don't pray and meditate for the next three or four days, I'll become that person. So this is such a reminder of where this disease takes us. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated, he ought to sleep the clock around. I would wake up with wrappers, chocolate stains, bags, and say, oh, my God, I did it again. So thank you, God, with this program, Living the 12 Steps, I am free. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie R. And who would like to comment? Um, we've got time for probably a couple. Larry? H-A-M. 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 Gloria K. A-M. Okay, i got Larry and H-A-M, and we'll we'll see how far that goes. Larry, you're up. Thanks, Monica. This is Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I was not the same person when I was under the influence of my binge substances. But, but I think for me, looking back, you know, my behaviors were absurd and, and often incredibly tragic because this disease had me so badly mangled that, that I had, you know, progressively become uh, pitifully demoralized. And, and so I would regularly lash out at uh, the world and the people in it. The man that I was, uh, different guy, you know, different guy. And I'll give you an example. Perhaps some of you can relate um, on some level. I always meant well. You know, my intentions were basically good. Yet almost on a daily basis, I became, you know, what I would call cognitively dissonant. In other words, my thoughts were inconsistent with my behaviors, no matter, no matter how much I wanted them aligned, you know. So here's an example. You know, it wouldn't make rational sense to wake up one morning, you know, with the idea to trade in your, your relatively new car for another new car. Yet I did this many times, many times. You see, like binging, uh, making a large purchase, uh, perhaps something shiny and new, would make me feel better temporarily. You know, the absurd behavior had the same underlying characteristics of my, of my binge addiction. 
anything to give me temporary relief, kind of a balm for my anxiety and loneliness, depression, you know, regardless of the consequences, I would engage in that. Did I need a new car? Of course not. You know, was I hungry when I, when I sought out that, that sense of, of relief from a bakery box? No, of course not. You know, occasionally someone in my family or, or perhaps a close friend would, would comment about the new car, you know. Hey, another, Larry, another new car. Didn't you, didn't you just buy a new car last year? You know, and I would come up with some, you know, after all, recognize I'm a very, very important man in my mind, you know. And uh, so I would come up with some, you know, some, some argument, you know. The thing about it is, is that um, I did all sorts of things. I chewed people up and spit them out while claiming to, uh, you know, be qualified to help people in the helping profession, you know. So yeah, this disease uh, goes, goes much further for a guy like me than just, uh, it, isn't, it isn't about food. Those, that was a manifestation, the new car manifestation, judgmentalism manifestation, all manifestations of a spiritual malady. Thank goodness that these steps brought me into a new alignment with my higher power. Not cured, not perfect. I'm not a saint. Not a saint, never will be. But I'm making uh, progress, not perfection. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And H-A-M, if I got that right. Hi. You're up. This is, this is A-J-M in North Carolina. And the line that jumped out at me was, yet let him drink for a day, and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. My disease is a disease of isolation. I don't um, see myself as getting the fury that I remember the, the drunk I lived with. When he got drunk, he got furious, he got angry and screamed and shouted and lashed out. That's not the way I'm antisocial. When I'm in the food, I don't want to be around anyone. And yes, it'll make me angry if anyone does try to get in the way of uh, what I'm what I'm doing. Then I do become then I do become um, uh, angry. But antisocial, absolutely, I do not want to be around anyone who's going to see or observe or notice what I'm doing. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, and I know we don't have much time left, is that our face-to-face group here in North Carolina has uh, become a vision group, and I cannot contain my gratitude for that. It's um, ever since Virginia Beach, uh, several of us have been hoping that we could make this happen, and we have, with um, the help of higher power. And it's just such a gift. So I not only have these morning meetings, I now have a face-to-face meeting that's vision. So thank you all for your uh, service. And with that, I pass. <laughs> thank you, A-J-M. <laughs> oh, goodness. My ears this morning. Thank you all for putting up with me. <laughs> thank you to everyone who has shared. 
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Chrissy M., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant suggestive only. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.